You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Balls. It's your team every day. I'm your host, Eric Kane, at underscore Kaner on Twitter, at Locked On Balls. I do radio with the Sports Animal in Knoxville, and I write for the Tennessee rival side, VolQuest, covering, of course, Tennessee football and recruiting. Today is going to be a blast. All throughout the weekend, all throughout the early part of the week, you guys have sent me in your Twitter Tuesday submissions, thoughts, comments, concerns. I have tracked them. I'm going to try to get to as many of them today as I possibly can. Thank you guys so much for pouring into this podcast. It means a whole lot, and so we'll hit those on segments one, two, and three. At the top of the show, I will play a couple audio clips from Josh Heupel from his Monday press conference, but that is the lay of the land. All right, so uh, really looking forward to getting this one underway. Before we get going, remember we're talking Vols here, but if you want to know about the SEC five days a week, there's no other place like Locked On SEC. Host Chris Gordy, he does a fantastic job. You can follow that podcast. Again, that's Locked On SEC on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Real quick as well, I mentioned yesterday I had a minor announcement. I just want to, you know, round of applause for for all of you guys. Locked on Vols had its biggest week ever, ever last week. And that's something I take a great deal of pride in, and you should as well. A lot of you guys reach out to me all the time, and and I can't thank you enough. And I, I'm, I'm not lost in the fact that Josh Ward created this podcast. He built it up from the ground and then, you know, after a couple of years, he handed it to me. And for the longest time, I tried to tread water and, and keep this following. And now we're starting to see growth. Football season helps. I'm not oblivious to that. But uh, Locked On Vols had its greatest week ever last week. So uh, congratulations to you guys. None of this would be possible without you guys for your continued support and for tuning in every, every single day for some Vols content. So thank you so much. Uh, I am so, so, so thrilled uh, when I got the news about the uh, the biggest week ever, so that that's awesome there. Uh, let's get into it. This is a Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. First, like I said, let's listen to a little bit of Josh Heupel. A couple highlights from his Monday press conference, asking about the quarterbacks, asking about Joe Milton's health, asking about if there will be a quarterback competition. Kind of hears all that in one. Josh Heupel, what he had to say, starting with Joe Milton, the quarterbacks, and what he sees and who he sees going out there first against Tennessee Tech. You know, watching the, the video, uh, Joe knows this too. There's opportunities to, to make some plays in the pass game that were certainly there. Um, multiple occasions where we're running free in the secondary, and uh, there's nobody relatively close, you know, at this level of play against a good, good defense. Um, plays that, that we have to make. Um, Got to be able to throw it, catch it, be a little bit better in protection at times too. But certainly things that, uh, that he can uh, function at and has shown that he has the ability to do that. I'm just talking through training camp and, and the way that he's practiced. Um, don't know where uh, he's at uh, health-wise at this moment. Uh, right now, as, as we go forward, uh, the guys that are healthy will be ready to, to go compete and play. We'll find out where Joe is, uh, you know, here in the middle of the week. Coach, if, he, if he's healthy, is he your starter? Or is yeah, I mean, we'll find out where he's at and where he's during the course of the week. And so there's multiple factors that play into who the guy that's going to be taking snaps. So again, not a lot you can take from that. We'll have to talk to some people around the program. We'll have to try to try to keep tabs on this all week long to see exactly what direction Tennessee will go in if Joe Milton is deemed healthy enough to come back and play. Of course, he went out in that second quarter and it was Hinton Hooker the rest of the way. So that was a little bit about Josh Heupel on that. Uh, Josh Heupel also one of the more confusing plays of Saturday, one that 
obviously played a difference in the ball game. The kick six. Theo Jackson returned it all the way for six on a missed field goal. And the reason I love kick six is you always, always, always take that chance, even if you're eight yards in the end zone, because you have special teams guys, defenders, linebackers, whatever, skilled guys going up against offensive linemen. You have a holder, you have a kicker, and then you have two wings that might be able to go and run and make a tackle. But primarily, it's a huge disadvantage if you actually do return a, a, one of those uh, missed field goals uh, and, and take it for a long way. And that's why I love that. But there was offsetting penalties, offsetting block in the back. We talked a little bit about it on yesterday's show. Very confusing on terms of when the when the throw, when the flag was thrown, how it could have been different, if Tennessee could have maintained possession. Uh, Jimmy Himes of the Esports Animal asked Josh Heupel about that. Here's what Josh Heupel had to say, kind of explaining it just a little bit more in detail. Josh, on the uh, the kick six, after the change of possession, they were all setting penalties. Yeah. Did, did the officials explain to you that if you declined the penalty, you would have kept possession of the ball and then been assessed the penalty? We would have been, uh, we would have uh, had the, the football. We would have had possession of the football. Uh, they explained that the ball would have been on the five-yard uh, line. So your decision was you didn't want to end on the five. Yeah, just based on how they just kicked it, uh, the situation, uh, the DND, uh, you know, the the clock, everything, taking everything into account, figured they would punt it. Uh, felt good about uh, our guy being back there, being able to fair catch it, and obviously they downed it uh, even tighter. Couple more notes from Josh Heupel. He didn't really get into specifics on the injuries, who was out, even the guys that aren't injured who were out or who might not have played or who might not have. Uh, made the active roster, whatever the case may be. Didn't get into specifics, but obviously Tennessee was shorthanded on on Saturday. You like to believe that some of those guys would be getting back for the Tennessee Tech game. Even at the slightest, maybe you sit them again just to let them you know, heal up a little bit more. Whatever the case may be, Josh Heupel, very vague, didn't really give us a whole lot of info. He did say Tyon Evans is back and moving around uh, a little bit today, so that is a good sign. Uh, last thing as well, it's official. We knew it would be, but Byron Young will be eligible to play on Saturday. Played in two games for a prep school in 2017. That team folded, and so it's kind of you play two then, you sit two now four years later. But Byron Young will be eligible, and um, he will make a huge impact on the defense, in my opinion. Uh, one of our Twitter Tuesday questions, Andrew uh, Shemente chimed in and said, what's that impact on the defense? Well, against Tennessee Tech, probably not an awful lot, but he'll play, he'll get reps, he'll try to get his feet under him. But moving forward, you know, he and Tyler Barron, that pass rush is still not where it needs to be. Tyler Barron's done a fine job, you need more help, and Byron Young will help in that regard as well. Maybe get some pressure on the quarterback, maybe uh, force a bad throw, get an interception. Tennessee needs a turnover in the worst way, right? So uh, a huge impact coming forward, uh, having Byron Young out there. Let's get into this on Twitter Tuesday. We'll do a couple here and then hit it hard, segments two and three. Tyler chimes in. Uh, number one, do you think Pittsburgh was actually any good? Because I think they will give Clemson a heck of a ball game. Number two, or I'll, I'll answer that first. I, I, I think Pittsburgh's solid. I think Pittsburgh's defense is not going to be as good as it was in 2020. But as we saw on Saturday, uh, they got some boys that can play. I think uh, Pittsburgh, you've got a solid, solid cornerback in Kenny Pickett who can extend plays, who's smart, heady, uh, can throw the football. Uh, the thing that gives me pause about Pittsburgh is you don't have a run game, and you have to have a run game to be a good football team and to win football games, right? And so, you know, I, I see Pittsburgh winning eight eight games, maybe nine games. We'll see how it does against Clemson, but I do think it's a solid team. Now, do I think it's a team that's going to contend for an ACC title? No, I do not, but I do think it's a solid team. Number two, um, so I think Milton can be a good starter someday. He just needs to, he just doesn't seem to be ready yet with the accuracy just sitting there. Hooker seemed... Uh, to be like a Josh Dobbs-type quarterback, leaps and bounds better than Milton. 
So do you think we get to see Bailey? It's hard to believe that he's the worst quarterback on the team with all the hype surrounding him coming out of high school. Uh, Tyler, answer in short, um, you know, Saturday we might get to see Harrison Bailey a little bit. The point of the matter is we get lost in recruiting rankings, right? I cover recruiting. Um, I speak that language now, and, and I know as well as anybody, um, you, you can't you can't put stock in recruiting rankings. You just can't. I mean, you can you can certainly take them into um, consideration, uh, but you know, all recruiting rankings is is essentially potential. It's what do you have now? What can you um, add at the next level? And what can you sharpen in terms of getting some better coaching? at the next level. Sometimes you have three stars that come in here and become All-Americans and Super Bowl champions. Sometimes you have five stars that never see the playing field or, or be complete butts. We've seen both sides of the coin, right? So, you know, uh, Harrison Bailey, he was a five-star. Tennessee fans got wrapped up in that, and that's fine. I think he has a lot of talent. I just think that he's the third-best quarterback on the roster right now. I think that he's the third-best quarterback in terms of fit for this scheme. Now, History's any indication Tennessee's played multiple quarterbacks in a season. Tennessee's already had to play two quarterbacks this year, and we're just in, in game three, you know, he- heading to game three. So we'll have to see about Harrison Bailey. Uh, but in short, to answer your question, I do think that Harrison Bailey is clearly number thir- number three on this depth chart, and, and it's up to Harrison Bailey when and if he gets an opportunity to, to go in there and ball out. I thought he did a fine job coming in at the end of last year. The circumstances were completely different. The offense was completely different. The season was completely different. I'm not trying to take anything away from him whatsoever, and I saw what he did in the Orange and White game, but as we talked about back you know, in the spring, uh, Tennessee was extremely vanilla, didn't blitz, and um, my gosh, I, I feel like I could have completed some pass against those Tennessee uh, cornerbacks during the spring game. Uh, maybe not, probably not, but you know you know what I'm trying to say here. Um, but nonetheless, we'll have to see about Harrison Bailey, but uh, appreciate you chiming in, Tyler. Chiming in, Tyler. Uh, let's go to Waylon here. This will be our last one. We do here in segment number one, which is the bigger surprise so far that Tennessee has a total of four or five turnovers on offense or that the defense has yet to create one. Man, <laughs> that's great right there. Um, it's absolutely the defense has failed to create one. My bold prediction, again, I told you guys about this on my other podcast on game days for fallquest.com. It's called Game Quest. You guys can check that out on game day mornings. My bold prediction against Bowling Green was Tennessee would get four takeaways. Did I think Tennessee would get four takeaways? Probably not. Again, it's a bold prediction. I thought Tennessee would get at least get a couple. Tennessee's got no takeaways, and that is an issue. And another reason why I think Byron Young will help because he'll get after the quarterback a little bit, and he'll at least add to the pass rush. Um, that's the most surprising thing for me, one hundred percent. You know, Tennessee was going to turn it over a little bit. New coach, new quarterbacks, plural, new offense, new scheme, tempo. It just kind of comes with the territory. So, Waylon, good chime in right there, 100%. It's the fact that Tennessee has yet to get a turnover forced on defense, and and that's that that's got to change. We'll come back with more Twitter Tuesday in segment number two. But first, guys, prize picks. College football fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is your daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you guys will too. Prize picks offers every sport you can think of, like the NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, um, MLB, soccer, MMA, and a whole lot more. Prize picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world, and it offers star players of the Power Five as well as the mid majors, some guys you might not have even heard of yet. Prize Picks offers you any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown, 
all of your users that deposit and use uh, the promo code will receive a 100% instant bonus match up to 100%. More on that coming soon. But you pick two to five players uh, over under on the projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you against the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entry, so you can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use uh, use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, guys. And PricePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals as well. So don't hesitate. Check out PricePix.com or go to your App Store and download the app today. That's PricePix. It's a daily fantasy made easier for you. And Rock Auto. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain store to keep up. I mean, you've got... Uh, you know, parts that you need on the on, on the minutes and, and why endure the pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and the wait from the person behind the counter looking to order parts from their computer, choosing one of the brands and specifications from their warehouse that they happen to carry. You have a computer and you have access to rockauto.com at your home and in your wallet. So don't choose to spend up to 30 to 50 to 100% more for the same parts from a local or car dealership when you can go to the family-owned and operated business that's been doing it online for over 20 years to the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers at rockauto.com. Rock Auto's prices are always so reliably low for every single customer. They've got everything you can possibly need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor rolls, even new carpets. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and your truck. While you're there, write Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit my friends at rockauto.com. Welcome back into the Locked On Vols, Twitter Tuesday edition. I'm Eric Kane. Glad to have you guys along for the ride. Again, big thanks to you guys for all of your submissions at underscore Kaner at Locked On Vols. I've had a couple people over the last couple weeks tell me they've created Twitter accounts specifically to send in questions. That's awesome. Well, hey, I got news for you guys as well. I mentioned it a couple of times. I need to do a better job of publicizing this. Um, I have a radio Facebook page, so if you guys are listening right now and you you have questions and you want to get in contact with me but you don't really want to go through the hassle of making a Twitter or if some of you guys that just made a Twitter would rather go this route, um, Facebook page, just search at Kaner on Air. That's Kaner, C-A-I-N-E-R, on Air. And uh, you guys can communicate with me via the Facebook uh, as well. But anyway, you guys want to get your questions to me, I appreciate it uh, very much. Uh, a fun part of the show that we do every single week here on Twitter Tuesday. Uh, let's go on now to Tyler Hood. Tyler Hood, if Milton is healthy, do we have a QB1 battle? Hooker looked good after he got comfortable. He stepped up. Even with 130-plus yards and penalties, we still had a chance to win. We didn't fold after being down 14 twice. And again, Tyler, that was one of my biggest takeaways. It's And again, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not a moral victories guy. I'm not. I know this fan base doesn't want moral victories. You're tired of it. You're ready to move on. You're ready to to, to jump over the hump and, and start getting back to winning football. I get it. But, I mean, guys, let's be honest here. How many times over the past three years have we seen this team just quit? And, and, again, I don't say that lightly because that's a pretty harsh accusation. But, I mean, 2018, Jeremy Pruitt's first year, you had that huge win over, over Auburn, over Kentucky, uh, against two nationally ranked teams, then you fold against Missouri and Vanderbilt to, to end the season. You know that team quit a little bit last year as well. Um, so uh, seeing this team fight for 60 minutes, it was huge. Seeing this team battle back down two touchdowns, coming back, uh, being within, what, 12 yards of tying this ball game up potentially in, in a, uh, a a call on third down that was a horrible spot and an iffy fourth down play call away from potentially 
you know, finding the end zone a couple a couple of uh, plays later. If ands buts, I get all that, but still, that's one of the biggest takeaways for me. But back to your question, Tyler, um, Milton, if he's healthy, is there a QB one battle? I, I don't see how there can't be, right? I mean, Josh Heupel really. I played some of the comments and everything. He was asked about Milton a couple of times, and I mean, he's not going to give you anything. I get that, but the more I listened to it, the more I kind of felt like, well, okay, it's still Joe Milton's job. But I, I just I don't see how it can be right now. I mentioned on the podcast yesterday that I thought Hendon Hooker earned the opportunity to go out and be the starter against Tennessee Tech, even if Milton was back. And, you know, we'll just have to see. But I, I fully believe, and you heard it from Josh Heupel earlier in the show, there's plays out there that Tennessee are not getting. There's yards and touchdowns and, and first downs out there for the taking, and Tennessee's not connecting on those passes, and that is an issue right now. Tennessee cannot continue to do that. I still have all the confidence in the world in Joe Milton. I think if he can put it together – with this coaching staff, it's going to be something just beautiful. But the problem is, it's not put together right now. And so, you want to win football games, I think Hinton Hooker right now is is the best option. But anyway, we will see. I haven't heard anything. I haven't talked to anybody yet this week. I will, don't worry, um, to kind of see exactly where is in terms of the health status for Joe Milton, um, kind of what the coaches are, are thinking about in terms of who QB1 might be. But Tyler, to answer your question, I don't see how he can be. I mean, I, I thought Hendon Hooker came in, gave this team a chance to win, and I thought he earned the opportunity uh, to really push for some first-team reps. So now we'll hit up TW Orange, and uh, he wants us asked Twitter Tuesday, why do teams that operate out of the shotgun like Tennessee not have an under-center package for short yardage situations? Boy, you must have heard my little rant yesterday. Um, it's one of my biggest pet peeves in all football, college football. It's not an issue in the NFL. I can't stand it, and I understand your offense is is out of the shotgun, okay? Your offense is spreading it out. Your offense is not going under center. It's a tough adjustment to go and run up under center late in the ball game, to where you're taking the chances of maybe fumbling the snap, the exchange, all that type of stuff. Uh, something that's so simple for a quarterback, but keep in mind, I mean, if you're not under center, you're not under center. You're not getting those reps every day, but um, this is why I do believe you do need to get reps every day at practice. You need to be taking snaps under center every single day in practice, every single day in practice, for that reason alone, what Tennessee was under was was taking on Saturday, fourth and inches. Go under center, take the snap, fall forward. Go under center, uh, you know, get, hand the football to a halfback. Go right over left guard. Okay, you. It makes no sense when it's fourth and inches to back it up four yards and take the snap four yards deep in the backfield. It makes no sense to me. So, I don't know why. I would just say convenience. It is tough because shotgun, 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 shotgun all game long. Oh, we got to run up and go under center. You don't want to, you don't want to take the chance of turning it over. I get all that, but good teams find a way to do that. Okay, good football teams do that in practice and are ready for that situation. I don't know if Tennessee does it in practice. I don't know. They very well could, but um, that is that is an issue with me one hundred percent. We'll move on to Brandon Howard. Brandon Howard or Braden Howard? Excuse me. Uh, Braden Howard has his question. What would you have liked, or would you have liked to have seen D Beckwith get some snaps at running back? Against Pitt, instead of just giving Jalen Wright the entire workload after Jabari, after Jabari went down. Yeah, I, I would. And again, this is why Jerry Mack, Alex Golish, Josh Heupel, they all said in preseason camp, you want to have four to five guys ready to go. And Tennessee has three, 
and they don't have much depth behind it. Um, I would have 100% liked to have seen a bigger back in that situation, just or in, in general, just to spell Jalen Wright because he was he was going like crazy. He was he was working hard like crazy. He was he was the every down back in the second half. And for a true freshman that got just a little bit of playing time against Bowling Green for his college opener, that was a tall task for him. I'm not saying that he didn't rise to the occasion or anything. Do I think he had a great game? No, but uh, I'm, I'm not trying to say that he wasn't ready for it. I thought I thought he was fine. But I would have loved to have someone rotate in there. But the thing about it is that what's that say about D Beckwith? What's that say about Lenith Whitehead in the eyes of the coaching staff? Do those two guys fit this offense in terms of scheme as running backs? No, they don't. I don't. I still, quite frankly, I just I don't know why they have those two guys there. You want to have more running backs? Maybe maybe that's the reason you got to have because you just need more and more and more running backs. But they can be used in other positions, in my opinion. But regardless, what's that say about those two guys? And plus, you had Anthony Pierce come on and get some snaps there in the fourth quarter against Bowling Green. He was the fourth running back to take snaps. So that tells me that D. Beckwith and Lenny Whitehead are just not heavily thought of in the eyes of the coaching staff right now. And, and, may, and I'm not trying to say that they're bad kids. They just might not have progressed as quickly as we thought they would be. So uh, to answer your question, 100% would have liked to have seen another running back. I just don't think Tennessee um, has that option right now, to be completely frank with you. And last one here. Um, maybe we'll get another one after this, but in segment two, we'll go to Brian Anderson. Perhaps rhetorical, but how bad must Hypo think Bailey is? Hooker greater than Milton, not even close. But how can a quarterback and a quarterback coach not want to be able to throw? Does he simply think the offensive line will get Bailey killed? Yeah, we talked a little bit about a little bit about this earlier. I don't think it's anything about the offensive line thinking that you know they're they're saving Bailey. They, they don't want to get him hurt. I don't think that's the case whatsoever. I just I I think that. The coaching staff thinks that Milton and Hooker give them the better, better opportunity to run this offense compared to Harrison Bailey, um, and, and I, I would agree with that. Now, you can if Harrison Bailey was your best option, look what look what Heupel did at UCF with McKenzie Milton. Look what Heupel's done in, in, in past stops. You'll evolve the offense around the quarterback and, and, and make schemes and adjustments off the quarterback and the quarterback strengths. But I mean, and Harrison Bailey is not the best option of this team right now. You know, you've got two other quarterbacks who are very similar, who do things differently and have better strengths, but are the, uh, the can essentially do the same in terms of operating in this system. That being Joe Milton and and Hendon Hooker. So, you know, why try to change things up when clearly you're you're number three in the depth chart? That's kind of how I view it. Now, Harrison Bailey might have a great second half of the season. Might come in. Might take the take the game by storm, and he might be your quarterback. I don't know. I'm not expecting that, but it might happen. He might have a great offseason and be QB1 next year. Then you might see the offense kind of change a little bit to more of a, of a Harrison Bailey uh, skill set. Not a whole, not as many draws, not as many keeps, not as many RPOs, stuff like that. But Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker can both do those, and do those at a high level right now. And so uh, that's kind of how um, I would answer that. Uh, we'll go to one more. We'll get Tyler Smith in here, and then we'll head to the reset. What is wrong with Milton? What is wrong with Jalen Hyatt? Uh, well, Milton has a lower leg injury or has a, has a leg injury to his his left leg. I think it's somewhere around his knee. I think that's why he wasn't able to come back in. It's not believed to be serious. Again, we'll have to see exactly um, you know what the prognosis is as we move on throughout the week. I don't think that's very serious. Jalen Hyatt, I don't think it's very serious either. I'm not going to speculate because I haven't heard, but, I mean, guys, it looked like he he got his his head rattled a little bit, right? Uh, that was a beautiful throw, mind you. That, that throw from Joe Milton was the best throw I've ever seen in Neyland, and it, and it didn't come down, unfortunately. It was a good play by the defender. It looked like Jalen Hyatt kind of got turned around a little bit there in the back of the end zone. I mean, it was a tough catch to make. 
It was a beautiful throw, but it looked like he got his cage rattled just a little bit. So I'm not going to speculate or anything, but I think it might just be a minor hiccup and we can see Jalen Hyatt back here pretty soon. So we'll have to see. I'll ask around and certainly hopefully we'll get some more intel from the coaching staff as the week goes on. But I don't think either one of those injuries are anything to be too concerned about moving forward. Two segments in the book. We'll come back, finish off with a Twitter Tuesday strong and segment number three. But first, bet online. We're back and we're better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron. Teams are back. On to start another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, even more props, even more contests at betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. You can head on over to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100 when you do just that. From football to basketball to boxing, right to your favorite Las Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, it's your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Segment three and a final segment here of a Twitter Tuesday edition, Locked On Vols. I'm Eric Kane. Got so many more questions to get into. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in and sending me in your questions, your thoughts, your concerns. Do it all week long. I bookmark them. We'll do it again throughout the week, but also on Twitter Tuesday next week as well. Uh, Andrew McGinnis, fourth down play call. What was up with that? Um, You know, he and I, me and Andrew, we were going back and forth, back and forth pretty much throughout the majority of the day today, talking about what we liked about that fourth down play call, what we didn't like. Spoilers, I hated that fourth down play call. And we were talking about if it was a read option or if it was a straight give. Well, um, I did do some intel. And what I've been told, again, from what I've been told, that was a straight give. It was Hooker to uh, to Jalen Wright over left guard, right? Um, or, or on the left side. It was a straight give. There was no option tag to it. I know it looks like if, if Hooker would have pulled it, he could have you know hit his head on the goalpost there and been wide open, but it was a straight give. It was I was told it was the same play that Milton and Small ran in the first quarter, right after the block punt, first and goal from the two, very beginning of the game after that three and out. Uh, that was the same play. The, the difference in between that play and this play is the quarterback in the center did not call it right. So it starts communication. When you have change of personnel, Some things get lost. Communication gets lost in the cracks. You had a new quarterback from that play in the first quarter to this play in the fourth quarter. So the quarterback and center didn't call it right, didn't call the blocking assignments right. So your left tackle blocked out instead of going up and getting a backer. That's what I was told. I need to go back and look at it a little bit more in depth now that I know that information. But I was told it was a straight give on that fourth down. Regardless, I don't like it at all. Get under center, take the snap, fall forward. I can't say that enough. I'll stop. I'll shut up. I know you guys are tired of hearing that. Um, I hate being in shotgun uh, in that situation. But, uh, Andrew, fun time talking with you yesterday, man. And um, that's kind of what I was able to kind of get in in talking with some people. 
Uh, Kane Wayne chimes in. Oh, it's a big old long paragraph. I've already read it once. I'm just going to try to find your question, though. Uh, here it is. Did Saturday's game change your outlook and expectation for the Vol season moving forward? Also, why are many Vol fans so enthused with Harrison Bailey? Is it because of his recruiting ranking? We've been through enough QBs to know recruiting rankings mean nothing. If I remember correctly, Jared Garantano was ranked higher than Harrison Bailey coming out of high school, and we know how that turned out. Uh, Harrison Bailey was actually ranked higher than, than JG, but I, I know what you're saying there, Kay Wayne. And you're right, we've been talking about Harrison Bailey, and I mentioned earlier on the show that uh, recruiting rankings certainly, certainly are not everything. But you you bring up a great point in, in terms of, you know, walking out of the stadium, fe- feeling confident in the coaching staff, feeling confident um, kind of kind of in what they're doing here. And that's that also goes on with a little, little Dover 2412 asking me if I feel more confidence in the coaching staff following the Pittsburgh game. These two questions kind of go hand in hand. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm still as confident as, as I've always been in the coaching staff. They've given me no reason to not be confident yet. Now, as the season goes on, if Milton continues to struggle and continues to play, that's another situation. But I, th- I think it's too early in terms of saying, has the coaching staff done anything to lose your, lose your trust? Um, not for me or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in Josh Heupel. Why? Because I've seen him work and, and produce great quarterbacks everywhere he's been. Um, I'm, I'm confident in Alex Golish and coaching tight ends because everywhere he's been, the tight ends have been good. I'm confident in, um, you know, guys like guys like uh, Willie Martinez, who've been around this league and, and college football for quite some time. And I'm not even going to go into Rodney Gardner. You guys know his pedigree and his resume. But um, I've always had confidence in the coaching staff. I wouldn't say that Saturday kind of leaned me one way or the other at all. Uh, Kane Wayne also asked again, did Saturday's game change your outlook and expectation for the ball season moving forward? I was asked this question as well just after the game was over, and my record prediction of 6-6 six and six is not changing. Tennessee showed me enough to where it's like, okay, you played like crap. You shot yourself in the foot 13 times for 134 yards of penalty. Um, you lost your starting center, your starting wide receiver, your starting quarterback, your starting running back. Your 1B running back wasn't available. One of your defensive linemen wasn't available for the game. You had so much go wrong, yet you still scored 34 points. You had a chance to win that ball game. And I know you gave up 41 points, but the defense you know, bent its back and came up with big stops when you needed to late in that football game to give you give you an opportunity. Two chances. Tennessee had an opportunity to tie that football game up. Two chances in the fourth quarter. And Tennessee's defense only gave up three points off turnovers despite being put in horrible situations throughout the night. It has a long way to go. They all have a long way to go, right? Um, but my my season prediction, it, it's not going to change at all because I still think after seeing what I saw on Saturday and I had Pittsburgh as a loss going into the season, I had a loss going into Saturday as well, I still think Tennessee can beat one of Missouri or Kentucky. And yes, I know that football game was really, really intriguing. I know that was a great football game Saturday night on the SEC Network. I still have confidence that Tennessee can beat either uh, Kentucky or Missouri uh, to get to that at least that six and six plateau on the season because I don't have Tennessee beating the three rivals, Ole Miss, um, but I do have Tennessee beating South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and one at least at least one of those two games as well as uh, Tennessee Tech this weekend. So we'll move on. Uh, Steven Skidmore, last one via the DMs. He chimes in. As usual, your podcast didn't disappoint. Well, thank you so much there, Stephen. Uh, having two quarterbacks that can run the ball and one of which can throw down the field accurately, no name needed needed to be mentioned, <laughs> what do you think about the possibility of having a dozen or so plays in which both are on the field? Um, in which they're both on the field at the same time? I don't think that will ever happen. Um, if you mean just they're both playing in the ball game. 
I mean, I see what you're saying. The two-quarterback system, it's not lost. I mean, look what Florida's doing. We've seen that. You know, we, we've seen two quarterbacks play all the time. I mean, that that's football at the college level a lot of times. But I know uh, Alex Golish, Josh Heupel, all those guys say that they don't they don't want to play two quarterbacks. They said that they would if they felt like the other one deserved to play, but they don't want to play two quarterbacks. They want one quarterback to lead this football team. Now, things can change. Things always change as, as the season goes on, so we'll have to see. I just don't expect that. I think it would be one or the other. I don't think you're going to go in there with the game plan saying, hey, both of these guys are going to play kind of like what you're seeing Florida with Emory Jones and, and um, Anthony Richardson. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, certainly if Milton continues to struggle and they just don't have the confidence in hitting a hooker to get it done. But I, I would say probably probably not at this point in uh, in the season. But again, a lot of it has to do with in terms of health as well. We will go back to Twitter and finish off on a couple of three here. Alex Warren wants to know a little bit about the pro football focus grades. I'm going to get into that tomorrow. So PFF grades coming up tomorrow on the show along with Josh Ward. So you have that to look forward to. And last up, Cam Manning chimes in and um, he, he says this. Is Milton's comp more early Josh Allen and less than Cam Newton uh, route that people may want to go? Probably the strongest arm anywhere. Incredible deep ball but very sporadic, can get mobile if necessary. Uh, no, I love that. And again, when people were comparing Joe Milton to Cam Newton, I'm like, what are you doing? Cam Newton was arguably one of the best college football players to ever, 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 ever play the game. He had one magical season back in 2010 that was just incredible. Joe Milton can't touch that. Joe Milton had done nothing in college prior to coming to, to Tennessee that leads anybody to believe that he could touch that at this point in time. Maybe in the future, but not right now. And so... I never liked the comparisons of Cam Newton. I get big arm, big guy, can run. I like the Josh Allen, early Josh Allen comp a whole lot more because all the talk coming out of the NFL draft a couple years ago was all about big arm, great cannon, accuracy is an issue, but he's mobile. And we saw him with the wheels early on in his career, and now you're seeing everything come together for Josh Allen, getting paid this offseason, and that's good to see. So yeah, Cam, I would say that the early Josh Allen comparison would be more in line compared to what we've heard about the comparisons between him and Cam Newton, which I just don't get at all. All right, that is a Twitter Tuesday. Job well done, everybody. Round of applause for you. That was awesome. We had questions all in three segments. Segments one a little bit, segments two and three. Can't thank you guys enough for sending in your submissions. Don't forget, next Tuesday, we will do it again. And all throughout the week, you can hit me up at underscore Kaner and at Locked on Balls. Like I said a moment ago, Josh Ward coming up tomorrow, plus the PFF uh, grades. Took a look at him. Uh, not great on the offensive side of the football. We'll get into that a little bit in uh, segments two and three tomorrow, so looking forward to that. Uh, before we go, guys, I'll remind you about Locked on Bets. Doesn't have to be a guessing game anymore when you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast. It's hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get all your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag or wherever you get your podcast. Again, Locked on Ball is the biggest week ever in show history last week, and it's all thanks to you guys. Job well done. Thank you for your support and your continued engagement in this podcast. It is a whole lot of fun. It is so rewarding, and I love, love, love doing it every single day and hanging out with you guys. It's, it's truly a blessing. So thanks to you guys once again. All right, guys, we will talk again tomorrow. But until then, have a great rest of your Twitter Tuesday, everybody.